Deep Production. Yes! Welcome back to Go Deep, the podcast, a member of Go Deep Productions, where we have an opinion like we have a clue. Thank you for coming back. And here's your host, John Nothing Doe. Oh, man, I love that. It, you know, that never gets old, at least not for me. Probably for you as a listener, you're probably like, I'm sick of hearing that. But we love it here at uh, Go Deep, the podcast. We are a member of Go Deep Productions. And as you already know, you can go to our website and it's Go Deep the pod, uh, Go Deep Productions. That was a podcast. Go Deep Productions dot GoDaddy Sites dot com. You can find that link on our Instagram account, Go Deep Productions, and follow the link. We have some gear there. I love it's 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 a lovely website. Check it out. Let us know what you think. Furthermore, today is a special episode, as it always is. Before we introduce our uh, special guest, or bro host, or co host, or however you want to say it, this is an Alan Smithy unpredictable, which means we're emphasizing Emphasis on the <laughs> yeah. dick, baby. Bring in the D. <laughs> Going deep. Oh my God. It doesn't feel so. Firstly, hello to all of our listeners. Yes. Thank you very much. And it, I, Asterman was an inspiration with that. So, hello. I'll do my best to channel uh, Asterman. Hello to all of our listeners. Thank you very much for listening and for supporting us. And uh, we're very happy that you're listening to the show, especially to our listeners around the world and especially to our listeners in the Ukraine. Stay strong, my brothers and sisters. Yes. So, uh, this is this is going to be an unpredictable uh, pop culture edition, my friend. We're going to talk. We're going to go down the pop culture route. Yes. So, this is what's interesting. Interesting. Uh, you and I have been watching a show, and we haven't really uh, communicated with each other to discuss. We're actually watching the same show on Netflix. So when you brought it up, I almost shit my pants. It, it's so funny because when we were talking about you know what to do next for an Alan Smithy Unpredictable, I thought you know we haven't talked TV, we haven't talked pop culture in, in a while. So why don't we do that? And I mentioned the TV show uh, that I finished watching. Uh, well, Annie Hack and I, my wife Annie Hack, I finished watching about a week and a half ago on Netflix called Archive 81. And I tell you, I can't think of a story that is more go deep the podcast than Archive 81. It's got all of the things we love there, John. It's got a secret society that's supernatural. It's got, it, it literally just has absolutely everything. So absolutely. yeah, when, when, it, when it came to the idea of what to do for others, we're, we're on it. So, yes. Archive 81 is based on a book and uh, was made into a Netflix show and uh, it is just absolutely thrilling. Yes. Mysterious little journey. You know, it's funny because like I was kind of, I was currently looking, this is about a week or two ago. I was looking for something new to watch in between when Ozark was dropping. Another great show. Right. Fucking love it. Ozark, we can we need to do a GDP on Ozark because Ozark is one of those shows, man. I tried this I started watching it twice. Yeah. Couldn't get through the first episode. Just couldn't get it. I, and I love Jason Bateman. Yes. Arrested Development is my second favorite show of all time and my favorite comedy show of all time. Like uh, so I love Jason Bateman and but I tried to watch Ozark the first episode twice oh, and then really? uh I, I gave up i just gave up so then like a year later annie sat down what, what annie hack does she does the greatest thing she sits down and she actually follows netflix's recommendations so if netflix says hey watch this show she will click watch and she'll just watch it and generally the, the algorithm for my wife has been very very good so she sat down and she watched ozark and she was like this is the greatest fucking show you've ever seen ever definitely i went I back couldn't, i couldn't agree with more i remember the first I, episode and i don't want to go too deep on it but i remember oh just, totally like, but we'll, we'll 
we'll go deep into the time, but just suffice yes. to say, I got through the first episode all the way, got through the second episode, and I was like, this is the greatest fucking show in the world. So yeah, mm-hmm. it is just deserves, we could probably do a couple of podcasts on uh, yeah, like seasons, on that show. Just like the first oh, absolutely, season, the absolutely. Season, yeah. just I totally agree. It's just such a solid, solid, solid show. So, well, coming back hey, here man. to Ar- Archive 81, I was looking 81. for anything, yep. I was looking for something new, and I was really surprised when I embarked on this because it really uh it really is something special so the, the preview comes on it's a chick melanie i think her name is melanie Me- Mel- melody melody sorry melody um yeah, melody. she's like 1990s vlogger that's Vo- vlogger it's set so it's funny it's set in 1994 Four. yes uh, i am 52 years old and when i was in 1994 uh, annie hack and i got married and i was 24 years old. that's when i was living in toronto i live in vegas now but <laughs> Uh, when I was living in Toronto, uh, that's when I got married. So watching the show, having it set in 1994, at least part of it, part of the show is set in modern times. Part of it is set in 1994. Yes. It's a trip. It's such a nostalgic trip to just sort of go back there. And uh, I love those sorts of things. Uh, I love, you know, time travel. The problem is that 1994 does not seem that long ago to no, me. No, it doesn't at all. And I really like the wardrobe choices they had for 1994 because... I was growing up in 1994. I was young, and I remember yeah. a lot of the stuff that she was wearing and stuff like that was just normal everyday wear. Whereas now you'd see yeah. it and be like, "Oh, that's vintage." You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, totally. And the fact that nobody had cell phones—that was a real deal, man. Like nobody yeah. had. I got my first cell phone, which is a Nokia, in 1996. Hmm. Two years after this show was set. Before then, it was pay phones, man. Pay phones when you're out and about, yeah, or or the home phone, you know. So and call display was new in 1994. You like, imagine using what? a pay phone if this was 1994. And I hate to I remember up. using paper. I so here's the deal. Like I said, I was living in Toronto at the time, and Annie Hack and I had Bell calling cards. And oh, you man. could use a Bell calling card to get a discount on calls. So if you had to use a payphone and you didn't have coins on you, you slipped your Bell calling card in, it would charge it to your Bell account, your Bell telephone home account. It was the greatest thing ever. So but it was, it was a long, it was a big charge, though. That was the only part that sucks. Hashtag Bell. Yeah, it, it, nice. yeah, it was a little more. I think it was a dollar for yeah. a payphone call instead of a quarter. But still, it didn't matter because it was convenient. It was like, ah. Oh, I don't have a quarter in my pocket, so here it is. But in any event, so the so the show, what I love, it's just such a fucking head trip mystery. It, it's about a young uh, video archivist, a young video specialist named Dan Turner. Yep. His specialty is recovering and restoring uh, files, and whether it's uh, digital files or film or whatever. He's he's a he's an archivist and a, and a restoration expert. Yes. And he gets hired by a very mysterious benefactor who works for a very mysterious company to uh, restore some uh, high-def high def 8 videos from the 90s that were burned down in, a, in an apartment building. An apartment building caught fire yes. in 1994 burned to the ground and these videos uh, were restored. And you don't really know at first why he has to restore the videos. He's just paying, he's being paid an incredible sum, I think $200,000 $200, to restore those. But so, Alan Smithy, you, I think you're uh, yeah. 
you're kind of glossing over the part where our friend Dan Turner here, the guy that's the archive specialist, when he gets yeah. approached by this guy and he's taken to the this complex, it's kind of like out in the middle of nowhere. Compound. It's, yeah, it's a compound. It's got yeah. like fences, it's got cameras. So like in today's day and time, that would be nothing unusual, I don't think. But in that time, no. to have that kind of like, I don't know if it was internet connection. I guess they must have had an internet connection. It was like everything was connected so they could watch you and like monitor everything. And then also like... The mystery of the size of this compound is like yeah, so a massive mansion it's amazing so what it is is for, for anyone that's not, not hasn't seen the show yet its primary location is a compound in upstate new york miles away from new york city sort of in the middle of the nowhere probably i think in the, Cat, the catskill mountains or near syracuse it's just very remote and it, it it's got it looks like it was built in the 80s it just has that sort of 80s aesthetic to it. It's got some very new technology in it, but for the most part, it's got, you know, vintage technology. So yeah. that in itself, that setting seems to cross the, the sort of the time-space boundary as well. He's in, a, he's in a building that feels very 1994, but he's using, you know, 2022 technology to restore the videos. Yeah, and, and again, his, so you find out Dan lost some family, and somehow this mysterious benefactor from this mysterious company doesn't seem to know he's not he's not revealing any details just here's here's a pile of cash you're cut off from the world there's no internet at this place but the phone works you're being monitored 24 hours a day please restore this video for us and so what was crazy watching. um was yeah, he, their uh yeah their phone he, he is cell phone so yeah. i think that was the one thing i kind of caught that might have been a mistake he had a cell phone but it did have yes. really piss poor reception. reception he had to go to a certain point a high point in the on the property yes to get a, a reliable cell signal whereas in the building itself it was probably and i guess i guess there might have been you know knowing this company there might have been uh cell phone blocking technology for the main part of the compound definitely but everything about that compound whether it's the the fact you were being monitored that before you even found out that there have been people on site doing similar work on the project before dan you yep. just get this ominous feeling like the place had been lived in and that this has been something that had been ongoing for a while definitely. so you know i think what really makes this a, a go deep kind of TV show is the fact that the mystery is centered around a secret society called the Voss Society. And the Voss Society, the Voss family, their their deal was their desire to bring a paradimensional creature to Earth to grant them power and eternal life. And that is really the crux of what's going on. And the show in 1994 set in an apartment building that you find out later was built over top of the ruins of a mansion that existed and burned to the ground in 1924. So 60 years earlier, or, or 70 years earlier, the mansion burns to the ground. They build an apartment building that later burns to the ground. Why? You find out in the show that there's an explosion powerful enough to cause a fire, to cause a building to burn to the ground. Yes. So, and, and the Voss Society is looking to find the demon, Kalago, to bring into our world. Now, before we dig any deeper than that there, Alan Smithy, let's talk about the experience of when uh, Melody first got to this apartment and how she was not allowed to go onto the, what was it, the sixth floor? Is that correct? Sixth six floor. Yeah, sixth floor. So you're introduced to Melody and she's just your sort of average, you know, 24-year-old vlogger. At the time, it was, it was people that would write for, write pieces for, like Spin Magazine or Rolling Stone or they would do video pieces for MTV or in Canada it was called Much Music at the time. I don't, does Much even still exist anymore? I don't know. I'm not. It does. And I think they've actually like uh, fixed it so it might even play music videos again but I'm not playing. No. Wow. 
1994, <laughs> they sure did. And uh, so Melody is the type of person that would do that. And for her thesis, um, she's doing a story on this building, this apartment building. But what you find out is that she was given up. She was given up by her mother at birth. And she has been chasing her mother or the, the legend of her mother to find out where her mother is and has managed to track rumors of her mother's existence to this apartment building. And when she arrives, that's when the mystery starts to deepen. Because like you said, John, you know, the, the thing they made very clear is that you do not go onto the sixth floor. Number yes. two, the building is full of all sorts of eccentric people, whether it's the caretaker slash janitor slash, you know, all, I guess caretaker is the best way to describe them, or whether it's sort of the weird, creepy neighbors, you know, the, the rich socialite, or whether it is the, um, you know, the, the sort of creepy boyfriend type that Melody encounters. Everybody gives off just a super, super creepy vibe. You spend, you know, the first few episodes when they're introducing the characters going like, what? What the fuck is going on with this show? But then when it gets going, when you find out it's about secret societies and demons and bald-bound witches and Kilago, man, this shit just takes off. So what is your favorite part thus far, favorite character? Where do you, you know, what what is drawing you into this? What What is really uh, so taking like, your... Uh, there's like this weird sexual like feeling to this where they were like, I guess with all horror, oh, horror stuff. Oh, Sure. You know, with Melody's friend, and you, like you can see her, like she comes in, she's like this wild child kind of thing. And as the series yeah, progresses, Annabelle. Annabelle, yes, she just kind of yeah. like you can see where she just kind of like splits and loses her mind, and she's like completely enveloped into this whole demonic thing where like she doesn't see Melody's trying to show her with like when they went downstairs and they were in like the community room after Melody had kind of like followed everybody and watched like them praise and do the weird, what was it, like the. Sound yeah, effect. the breathe, the heavy breathing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Creep. That, when again, they, they open the cabinet, is a great way to put it because it does have that that really sort of creepy sex cult. I mean, they said that there there was a joke that there was a sex cult in the basement. Yes, and you sort of laugh it off, you know, because Melody is hearing sounds through because it's an old building through the radiator system. You think is there really because you know the heavy breathing, and you think is there a sex cult? There might really be a sex cult in this basement. When you find out, in fact, there is creepy sex going on yes uh you're just like oh man that's just fucked well there's, up. there's nothing that isn't demonic that usually doesn't have sexual tensions uh, like connected totally, with hand totally in hand, right yeah totally agree and so just to give this legitimacy the executive producer is james wan and james wan is the co-creator of saw and it's sitting and insidious oh, and okay, yeah. created the conjuring so this is his um horror movie pedigree is impeccable. Yes. Uh, ironically, James Wan has also uh, done Aquaman, so he uh, he directed the Aquaman movie. Oh, wow! But yeah, his yeah, I know he's an underrated underrated director. But yeah, he's a co-creator of Saw and, and the creator of the Conjuring uh, universe. So yeah, it, it has that slow like it's not a gory show. That's the nice thing about it. If you are put off by gore, um, this show is for you because it's a slow burn. It's yes. so creepy. Like that's the best way to describe the show is creepy. You don't really know what's going on, and the show keeps flipping back. What I love about it is it keeps flipping back 
between the past and the present. As Dan, uh, our protagonist, is sort of restoring the film and he's, he's watching in real time. And he's slowly um, figuring out what exactly is going on. And as he does it, yeah. I think the part that I really like is when he's able to interact with Melody and he's like, yeah. what the fuck? And like, he's like, he starts tripping. He's not sure if it's because he's it's in real. this complex and he's just, that's a, right. It's like an illusion. But I, and he's dreaming it, you know? Yeah. And it's just so, it's so creepy. Like, it has so many callbacks to other, you know, other, uh, other sort of classic horror movies. When he breaks through the, the, the walls in the kitchen that leads down a, a yes. secret passageway in the basement, you know, like James Wan, the producer, I'm sure had a big influence on that because it calls back to so many different creepy uh, movies. The one I think more than anything, there's a movie in the late 80s called uh, Prince of Darkness, which yep. is set in a church in uh, South Central Los Angeles that has been abandoned and everybody stays away from. And this is where a group of university students go and realize that Satan is trying to break the doorway between uh, hell and earth and come back. And this TV show had so much of that feel to it where you it's just that sort of creepy netherworld necromancer type vibe that you're just you when it finally when it finally did get revealed but in fact yes they're trying to summon a demon an ancient demon from another plane of existence i was just like oh this is fucking awesome and again the time back to to go deep when you were talking about it on the podcast a few weeks back about the multiverse yes you know it, it this sort of this show kind of touches on us are they going back into the actual past or are they going back into the present time in a multiverse? They, they didn't really explain that. They've left, they've left that really ambiguous, but I like to think that either is possible. Either they're going to the past or it's a doorway into the multiverse where the, you know, 1994 is existing concurrently with 2022 in a different universe. And you, you don't really, you, you, it's never really explained to you what that time difference is, whether it's a multiverse or not. And I think that just adds to just the amazing feel of, of the show. But yeah, just the, the acting, just absolutely absolutely outstanding. Yes, and There's we haven't even like touched the service in a lot of ways because you have the church that's kind of attached to this complex through like a totally. underground yep. tunnel that he kind of discovers when he does. Uh, what is yep. it? He goes through the cold storage or the, um, what I wouldn't call it the cold storage. It's, it's like a blood bank. There's a blood bank down there. Like yeah. it's just, a, yeah. So the other thing we haven't touched on is one of the other characters, Jess, played by Ariana Neal. And Jess is a, I think, 12-year-old or 13-year-old girl. Yes. But who, to me, is, is sort of the star of the show because there's so much dread and so much promise around her. Like, uh, you know, as a, as, a, as a parent myself, and I know, John, you're a parent, you, you know, your kids, uh, there's such a such a sense of hope. And yet at the same time, you know, your, your desire to protect them uh, is so strong. So when Melody sort of takes it upon herself, when she realizes that the building and its occupants and the creepy boss cult have sort of nefarious designs on Jeff. You really feel for that character and you really, and like the actress, Ariana Neal, she pulls it out like she's just phenomenal. She, she's so good at sort of playing sort of naive and innocent, but at the same time, you know that she knows exactly what's going on. Just a phenomenal actress. I also uh, like her and I feel like her first interaction kind of laid the path down for the whole show 
show and how creepy it can be because yeah. like when she first interacted with her because she was knocking and Melody was walking around in this apartment after staying there one night and was just like trying to like interact with the locals if you will and nobody would open her door it was almost like nobody. she was living in an apartment yep. building by herself so when she oh, seen absolutely. this little girl at somebody's door delivering something I guess it was like food or something of that nature she uh you know she kind of instantly bonded with this chick and I think the part where it all kind of fell apart for her is when this chick's mother started cutting involved and noticing that uh she was uh going she brought her to her psych because she has a psychiatrist yeah. and this is where yeah. the story all comes together so once again a spoiler alert um i haven't said that earlier but spoiler alert this is where it all kind of starts to connect because melody's therapist in 1994 is dan's dad so that's where it all gets kind of like what but anyways who also who also spoiler alert mysteriously dies there's so many mysterious deaths part of the the bonding moment for melody and for dan across the expanse of time and space is the fact that they both have lost parents or missing parents and missing family you know after you find out that in 1994 after dan's dad had been treating melody his house burns down with his sister and his parents in the house and you just you're just like you know the, the loss the, the grief uh, that the two of them share about the loss in family is very palatable and that sort of I guess the, the, the acting the performances in the show and their ability to, to express grief and sort of transcend you know sort of the, the normal melodramatic trap that a lot of actors do I think it's what made the show really real the other actor in the show that I want to I want to shout out is actor Martin Donovan who played the mysterious uh, yes. Virgil Davenport. So Virgil Davenport is the, uh, I guess you could say, the antagonist of the show. And he is a executive at this mysterious company that hired Dan to restore the video. And you're never really sure what his angle is. But he's played by a, a very famous character actor called Martin Donovan. And you won't recognize that man's name, but when you see his face, you'll be like, that guy, he has played sort of a heavy, mysterious character in countless movies and TV shows. And he was so perfect for this role that it, it just the casting is just unbelievable so yeah shout out to Martin Donovan for his, his performance as Virgil he kept it you know on the level just the perfect mysterious executive you know it's, it's almost as if Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos uh, were one person and they're trying to uh, bring Satan into the earth via a Tesla I'm it, telling you buddy it's nuts right I don't really want to give too it, much away but when the, uh, no. the priest when yeah. he disappears and Melody's like in his room yeah. looking up for the book he has like this special book and cabinet she kind of like was alluded oh, yeah. to in an earlier episode so when he passes yep. she finds a way to sneak into his private quarters and uh, or his private office rather and uh, find this book and she does it just in time before the uh, the main I guess the cult leader I guess you would call yeah. him right would uh, show up yep. and look for the same book and he couldn't find it because of her I thought that was uh, an interesting way in how she kind of like you're kind of worried you're like oh fuck he's going to catch her and at one point yeah. when she's sitting under the desk you're like oh fuck he did catch her and he didn't yeah. I don't know if it was on purpose yeah, you're never really sure with that. The other, so the other thing I'm going to tie back into to this podcast is, you know, not only do we love talking about dark societies on the show, but also with the the great and mysterious and wonderful Astro Moon, there was a tarot card reader in this show. Like, yeah. it's almost as though we did the show ourselves, right? It's almost like a, a fictional TV show based on our podcast because it's got a tarot reader who is also very good at doing stances, and I, I think one of the one of the most terrible terrifying moment of the of the series is when uh, the tarot reader has her seance and manages to invoke 
the spirit of what you find later is melody and it's sort of channeling it to uh you know to melody and to, to dan and it's just it's, it's just unbelievable that whole scene is just absolutely unbelievable you know or even you know, twenty five years later, thirty years later, you know, you, you go to the mental hospital, and there is there is her friend still in the mental hospital. Like it's just it's such a brain fuck, man. It is, and I just love the way it does its dance, including at the yep. end. And I'm not going to give yep. away the ending because I know how important nope. that is. But uh, yep. at the ending, when they've kind of figured out how they can cross uh, time and uh, what is it, time and space, I guess time and space, yeah, um, the time the time space barrier. I found that really interesting, and I feel like that is literally like the pinnacle to the story and obviously it's it's wide open for future seasons and stuff of that nature. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it has, it's so funny too because the one thing that it shares in common, so Netflix has, has done really, really well with bringing sort of the spooky, non-gory uh, horror Proper suspense to, horror, I would say. Exactly. Really, really good stuff. It started with Stranger Things. Yep. And what I loved about this is when Melody and Dan were interacting together, and it was implied that Melody was coming into the present from the past, it had that sort of reflective snowflakes in the air, reflective crystals in the air, that was exactly like the underworld, the upside down from Stranger Things. So if you've seen Stranger Things, there's a, there's an, uh, a parallel universe in that show where when you're in it... There are these heavy, colon snowflakes or dust particles in the air that reflect light. And yeah. when they're around you, you realize you're in the upside down. And this is the same thing, too. When you saw Melody surrounded by them, you realize that they're they're in that coming through the, the doorway as well. And back to Netflix for one quick second, you know, they did the House on Haunted Hill. And this past spring, or sorry, last winter, they did Midnight Mass. If you haven't seen Midnight Mass, watch. Listeners, please go watch Midnight Mass. I want to. I was looking at that actually recently. Oh, John, you got to watch. So when this is done, when you're you're completely done with Archive 51, stop and go watch Midnight Mass. Midnight well, my Mass problem is, is I'm so close to the end of Ozark, but I got. Well, yeah, okay. I got finish Ozark. Yeah, finish Ozark, and then go watch Midnight Mass. You will. We will we'll be back here. I swear, we'll be back here in about three weeks talking about Midnight Mass. In fact, I brought it up when we were talking about um, last fall, last early last late last fall, early last winter. I brought it up. We were talking about uh, favorite moments in horror movies yep. around Halloween, and I brought up Midnight Mass because it's again one of these shows. Netflix is so good at doing these sort of creepy, building suspense, building mystery. Shows. Shows. Honestly, I, like, I like I like gore, yeah. but I really do very much enjoy this the suspense yeah. horror. You know, it almost the reminds dread. me of that one movie with Joaquin Phoenix when they thought they'd seen the aliens, but you never actually seen an alien sighting. So that is that is Signs. Signs, And that signs, is an yeah. M. M. Night Shyamalan movie. That was his third film. He did Unbreakable was his second, and why his most famous one where I see dead people, The Sixth Sense. He did The Sixth Sense, then he did Unbreakable, then he did Signs. The Mel Gibson and Joaquin Phoenix, and that is, again, you never saw, you only saw the aliens very, very briefly, but the suspense in that movie it was, was mind-blowing. It was thick. You couldn't cut it with a knife. Mind-blowing. Yeah, you could cut it with a knife, and uh, it was absolutely mind In fact, that that movie signs is 20 years old this year, 2002. Stop it. You're making me old now. It's I okay. know, John. I know. <laughs> it's okay when so, we talk yeah. about your age. and, uh, uh, and... <laughs> Dude, I know. So listen, what I love, again, I, I can't, I love the compound. Like the, the, the apartment building itself was creepy, but that compound, man, that is just every time they had a scene in that basement when he's down there with the, with the video equipment, when he's walking around, when he breaks into the wall, when he breaks into that abandoned church, when he's walking, when he's trying to find the cell signal, I mean, he sort of, he, he's, 
you're first introduced to the caretaker of the property, the woman. Yeah. And you see her in the red coat in the distance. And Melody, 1994, has been wearing a red coat. And you're thinking, is Melody alive? Is she on the compound? Yeah. Because there's little things like that. Like, Melody at one point was wearing a red jacket. And then sort of briefly in the corner of Dan's eye, he sees a mysterious figure on the property in a red jacket. They find the uh, the, video, the VHS cassette of um, The Secret of Nim, the movie that Melody liked back in 1994 is also in the compound. How did it get, like, so just so many, so many things. And yes. Yeah, subtle like, hints. Yeah. And again, I love, a hundred years ago, I love the Roaring Twenties and everything that took place. The Roaring Twenties, a hundred years ago, in North America, in Canada and the United States, was a ridiculous time because that was sort of the last moment where the oligarchs of the railroad industry and the oil industry and the, the publishing industry sort of had their heyday. That's when the Great Gatsby was written and, and it was sort of set in the 20s. And the, the world was such a very between rich and poor yep. that that you could see that these the, the rich, the high society New York types would totally be down with this extraterrestrial, extra-dimensional, demonic, raise the dead, raise the devil Mindset? idea. And just as you could just see that the roaring 20s were all about demonic sex calls. So I'm putting that out right there right now. The roaring 20s more than anything were the demonic sex calls. <laughs> demonic sex that. calls. <laughs> That's what that, you know, and, and again, they did that real just oh, so well, man. The idea that, you know, you needed a young, virginal, pure spirit, whether yeah. it was, you know, that Irish maid, Irish maiden, I guess is, is the best way to put that, in 1924, or whether it was, it was you know, Jeff in uh, 2022 or 2021 when the show was set. You know, it's just all the acting, all the characters were just so put down so well, and, and the sense of dread, uh, just delicious. That sense of dread is what brings you back to the show every moment. 100%. I think it almost feels like when you have great actors like you do in Archive 81, it almost feels yeah. like the part was written for them and they weren't just kind of like falling into the part, if you will. No. Casting, again, you know, when you're watching a show like Archive 81 or Ozark, when the casting is well done, it really does make the show. Couldn't the cast, the actors, you, you get an actor who inhabits the role where you, you cannot see anybody else but them in the role. Oh, it's just it's just amazing. So when the actors gel and they love the role, and just their ability to tray dread and fear and loss and all, uh, just absolutely fantastic. And even, even mysteries that don't, so, you know, there's the mystery of of Dan's uh, best friend, yep. a podcaster, which again, here we go, here's another tie back to GDP. His best friend, Dan's best friend, is Mark, who plays a podcaster. Yeah, go figure. And uh, go figure, right? So he's got a podcast. He's got a, a, he comes from a wealthy family. He's financing his podcast and he does a sort of a, a spooky mystery podcast. And you're never really sure if Mark is in on it or not. And it's not until Mark meets a Virgil that you realize that no, Mark is not in on it. I spent, I spent two thirds of the show honestly believing that Mark was working against Dan. Me too. I, I, I was, Including I was the time too. where he gets back to the apartment and he's like, what are you doing? because he got fired yeah right? and he's yeah just sort of absolutely like, oh, what are you doing here and it just kind of like you had that weird ambiance you know that yeah. feeling of like yeah. oh fuck i got caught but as you you watch as you find out yeah yeah oh man yeah i know it's just everything now let's talk about the creepy boyfriend is his name samuel spare is his name alexander davenport is he, he like again who is this guy and he, he just seems to be you know mr rico suave mr hipster 1994 kind of reminded me a little bit of me in 1994 yeah um, 
And it's just, it was just, you know, he's just so good at being sort of harmless and yet unbelievably fucking creepy at the same time. Honestly. So, yeah, yeah when you find out that his, his name is not actually Samuel Sperry, that in fact, he's got a, a, a series of names um, that he's not, in fact, interested romantically in Melody, but is interested in nefarious. Oh, it's just so good, man. It is. Cool. There's only one part I want to come back to real quickly before we tie yep. this bad boy up because I know you got to yep. run. So yep. the part where... Uh, Melody gets onto the sixth floor and she meets the crackhead. Yeah. And then yeah. later on when he falls, because he starts working with her and she had to go upstairs yep. with the golden ticket, which she stole from the yep. uh, the dead or the late priest's office yep. and falls That's in front correct. of everybody. That must yep. have been a big, oh shit for you. It was for me. Oh, totally, man. The other thing too, and again, throwbacks to other movies, the, the crackhead apartment, total Candyman vibes. Oh, if you've ever seen yes. the original Candyman, you, you know, the, the fact that uh, they were walking around in, in a, a place, a run-down tenement building in Chicago that no longer exists called Cabrini Green. When Virginia Madsen's character was walking around that old building looking for Candyman, ironically, Candyman came out in 1992. So this is all, it's all connected, man. So when, yeah, when, when Melody was walking around the crackhead apartment, my brain started firing off Candyman, Candyman, Candyman. Just uh, unbelievable. And by the way, listeners, if you're listening, do not go into the bathroom Look in the mirror, turn the lights off, and see Candyman three times as I just did. Oh, God, please um, don't. Don't do that. I'm in Vegas, and trust me, in my hotel room, I can see Candyman in the mirror three times in Vegas because Candyman, is, he wouldn't survive a day in Vegas. It's lost fucking <laughs> Vegas. Are you kidding me? So I'm not worried about that. But you listeners at home, do not do that. Do not see Candyman three times in the mirror. So, oh, God, yeah, um, please don't. And don't uh, uh, message Alan Smithy personally for a butt mold of chocolate from him either. You, you can totally message me find me on my instagram account uh, alan smithy gdp before we go i just want to give a, a quick shout out to two other shows that we didn't, didn't get time to mention uh, that we can cover later on it's uh both shows are here in here in the united states on hbo max and in canada they're on crave one is called peacemaker which is a comic book show okay there's called Station Eleven, which is based on a, a novel by a Canadian writer. Station Eleven is a post-apocalyptic story that is caused by the coronavirus. So I, I'm not kidding you, John, on this. The story involves the coronavirus or, quote-unquote, the coronavirus, and it kills everyone in the world except for the few who, who are immune to it. And it's the story of what happens to a little girl who was 10 when the 13 when the, when the coronavirus hit, and then 20 years in the future. So Station Eleven is absolutely, there's no zombies, so it's not like a zombie show, but it has that same walking dead sense of dread. Don't trust other human beings. Station Eleven. The other is a show called Peacemaker, and Peacemaker is an obscure DC comic superhero, and as you know, John, DC comic superheroes are my jam, but the great actor John Cena, who, you know, I'm not a wrestling guy, but apparently he was a great wrestler, a very famous wrestler, John Cena, but his acting as Peacemaker, who is um, an obscure character in Last summer's Suicide Squad movie is just killing. If you want a show that is literally balls to the wall, fun, exciting, action, nonsense, bullshit. If you want a super, imagine if our podcast when we're with Mofo and Astroman, if that kind of shit talking was uh, put into a superhero TV show, that's Peacemaker, my friend. I'm going to definitely, so, yeah, uh, I, I see the previews of that. Baby. 
And yeah. I'm definitely interested in checking that out. And I'm sure Lord totally. Fawn, I know that's an old name. Nobody's heard that in a long oh, time. Oh, yeah, that's a throwback, yeah. Uh, um, you know, Lord, Lord Fawn would give his bullshit opinion on that, too. And, and Lord yeah. Fawn, if you're, if, you're, if you're listening, buddy, I, I await your bullshit opinions <laughs> on, uh, on uh, Peacemaker. But uh, no, Lord Fawn. It's funny, Lord Fawn. I was speaking to Lord, Lord Fawn over the phone um, from Vegas uh, here in Vegas a little while ago. We were talking about uh, the Eternals and how shitty that movie was. So, you know, yep. it, it's always good to talk to Lord. Anyway, uh, John, nothing devil. Yes. Thank you very much for having me on your uh, on your podcast again. To all of our listeners, thank you for listening. And, and please go check out Archive 81. You, you're welcome in advance. Yeah, no kidding. Folks, once again, just a friendly reminder, GoDeepProductions.GoDaddySites.com. That's our website. You can find, you can connect to Alan Smithy directly. You can give him that hate mail. He was asking for in the last podcast. Bring it. Bring um, it. Dark Societies. Find me, on it, find me on Instagram at Alan Smithy. That's A-L-A-N-S-M-I-T-H-E-E-G-D-P. Yes. That's my handle on Instagram. And uh, and hit me up there, folks. Send your love. Send your hate. Send something. That's all he's asking send for. Send something. <laughs> chocolate. A, a uh, butthole-shaped chocolate. <laughs> uh, Curtis folks. of uh, the Tangiers in Las Vegas, Nevada. Or uh, it could be uh, Morosaurus Mofo after a couple of drinks. A wise oh, dude. Oh. <laughs> a wise person once told me nobody likes a tip, so that's why we go deep. Go deep. Go Deep Productions. Thank you for listening to Go Deep the Podcast, a member of Go Deep Productions, where we give our opinions like we have a clue. You can find us on all forms of social media. If you would like to reach out to the show, email us at go deep the podcast at gmail.com. And remember, always go deep.